Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, hi guys. Uh, good to see all your smiling faces. Um, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Doug. I'm one of the preachers here at Seacoast. And um, does my voice sound weird? Does that sound, is, everybody, is that okay? Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I'm one of the preachers here at Seacoast. Uh, it's my pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, if you're wondering where Tim is, um, he's not on vacation surfing somewhere. Um, he's actually hanging out with the kiddies in the back in Vine Kids. He's serving with Vine Kids, um, so which is really cool. So here's what I want you to do really quick. I want you to take out a pen and, uh, you know, from your bulletin, and at the top of your bulletin, I want you to write a word. And that word is going to represent something that you're really good at, all right? Something you're gifted at. could be anything. Uh, I know if it were me, I did this earlier, I wrote friendly at the top. I'm a fairly friendly guy. And so uh, what I want you to do is just write something, a word at the top of your bulletin about something that you're good at, okay? Go ahead and do it now. All right, this is called doodle time with Doug, all right? I'll give you a minute. Think about it right at the top. I'm actually going to have you draw a couple of things on your pamphlet today, so it's going to be fun. All right, you got it written down? Nod your heads. All right, good. So that thing that you're good at, the church could probably really use somebody who's good at that thing. All right? So... Uh, we're kicking off a series about volunteerism, about making your life count, and part of that is serving in our church. We are a family. We do this thing together, and so just like Tim going over there and serving with Vine Kids, there may be a place for you here based on what you're already really good at because God made you that way. Got it? Good. All right, so think about that, and if you want to serve somewhere um, or you think God might could use you somewhere, uh, go talk to Jay or Brian or somebody out front and say, hey, I want to do something. And they'll be like, hey, I got something for you to do. All right? Good. So, um, like I said, this morning we're, we're doing a series about um, basically making our life count. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever uh, had a conversation with somebody uh, that had just started uh, like a diet or a new workout or something like that? It's particularly if it's going well. Like in about five minutes, you're going to know that it's going well because they're going to tell you about it, Right? Like, I don't really like that because for me, uh, I hate healthy things. I do. I've had the same food palette since I was 12 years old, and I'm fine with that, okay? Like, if you put Kraft macaroni and cheese in front of me right now, I would eat it on stage in front of you. Like, I would forget what was going on here. It's that good. I don't like healthy food. But when somebody comes up to you, they're like, hey, you got to try this quinoa kale smoothie. It's amazing. I'm like, no, I'm going to go eat some Skittles. That's gross, (laughs) okay? Like, who here, just by a show of hands, anybody here drink LaCroix? LaCroix drinkers, okay, y'all are suckers because that's seawater, okay? That is seawater from the Atlantic Ocean. It's gross, all right? Anyway, I'm getting a little excited. I'm not here to talk about LaCroix, but I'm just saying uh, that when we have diets and things that we're excited about, you're pretty much going to tell someone about it, right? Now, for me, uh, one day, I was uh, looking at a picture of myself. I had just turned 30, and all of a sudden, I realized that there's this big secret that no one tells you. When you turn 30... You can't eat the same stuff you did when you were a teenager. So I'm looking at this picture of myself, and I'm like, who is this dude? I was like, that's not me. That's not what I look like. I was like, maybe I was wearing like horizontal stripes or something, but I just looked way bigger than normal, and I was like, this is weird. And so I said, Christy, we got to do something about this. 
So we went through all this stuff and we found this really cool diet and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna go into all the details, but maybe you've heard of it. It's called keto. Has anybody here ever heard of the keto diet? Okay, yeah, ask me that. Okay. So I was like, all right, let's give it a shot. So we start doing it two weeks in. I loved it because you can eat bacon, which is pretty awesome. So it's a bacon diet and uh, we're doing our thing and I start going to the gym and about two weeks in, I get on the treadmill one night and like, I feel like I'm hooked up to like car batteries, okay? Like I'm just like going like, I could do this. I could run for 50 miles. I like the chariots of fire sounds playing in the background. I'm like, here we go. I only ran like a mile, but it felt like I could have done 50, okay? <laughs> but the point is, is that this diet like totally fueled me up. I was so excited. I felt good about it. So the next day I'm like, I see my dad and I'm like, hey dad, have you heard of keto? It's amazing. You got to try this keto thing. And the next person, I'm like, try keto. It's awesome. It'll change your life. Keto, have you heard of keto? You want to talk about keto? Let me, let me just tell you about keto. It's pretty amazing. Tim Debo does it. It's awesome, right? So all of a sudden, I realized I became that guy, like that guy that won't shut up about his diet because it's so awesome. Well, the reason why I tell you that is because when something's good, when we experience something good, we really can't help but want to talk about it, right? Right? So like the higher the goodness, the more important it would be for us to talk about it. Amen? See where I'm going with this? So this morning, we're, I want to encourage you uh, that as we experience Jesus, as we have a, the highest goodness of an experience with Jesus, it should have the highest priority to compel us to tell others about it, right? So that's where we're going this morning. We're going to take a look um, at a woman in the Bible uh, who had an experience with Jesus and what she did with it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we just lift up your word to you this morning. I pray for the gift of teaching, God, that you, uh, your Holy Spirit just come this morning, um, that this is about you, this is about how awesome you are, this is about uh, the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. And so we love you, we thank you, in your name we pray, amen. So uh, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 40. Um, it's a lot of scripture, 40 verses is a lot. So I'm just gonna kind of give you sort of this brief overview um, of what was going on here in the moment. And we'll hit on some scriptures throughout the way. But I encourage you, you go home today or later on in the week, just read the whole story its entirety. It's beautiful. It's one of the most amazing moments of Jesus interacting with another person. Um, so I encourage you to do that. Now, here's what's going on. Uh, Jesus is taking a trip. He's going up north. He's gonna uh, go visit some folks. And it says that he has to go through Samaria. Now, the interesting thing about that is Jews specifically never had to go through Samaria, ever. Um, Jews and Samaritans did not get along at all. They hated each other. Um, they were, that's why uh, when you hear the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, that was a total oxymoron to the Jews. They were like, uh, there's no such thing as a Good Samaritan. They're gross. We hate them. And so whenever they had to go somewhere, even if it took an extra day, they would go around. Like they'd be like, nope, we're going around Myrtle Beach. We're just going to go this way, whatever. I'm saying Myrtle Beach could be anything, but they just, they hated Samaria. They didn't want to be there, but Jesus had to go there. It was like he had some sort of appointment, like a doctor's appointment. Somebody's like, no guys, we got to go here. So they get there and Jesus is tired from the journey, sits down at the well, sends his boys off to go get lunch. So he's sitting there and wouldn't you know, a woman comes walking up. Well, this woman isn't just any woman. There's a couple of things going on here. It's a Samaritan woman, number one. Number two, she's walking up in the middle of the day to fill her water jugs, which was not a normal thing. Uh, usually women would all kind of go out together in the morning when it was cooler, and it would kind of be this social time where they all hang out together, and there was no men around, and they could just kind of be themselves and do their thing and, and enjoy one another and then head back to the town. Well, this one was by herself. So number one, she's by herself. Number two, she's a Samaritan. 
And she comes up, and Jesus is a man, she's a woman, so that everything going on right now is just weird. It's not normal. Her story's not normal. The fact that Jesus is sitting there and is about to start a conversation with her is not normal, um, not only being Jewish, but being a man in that day. And so she sits down, and she's drawing up her water, and Jesus asks for a drink. And uh, she says, well, I can't really give you a drink. You don't have a cup. And she's thinking about all these literal things about water and drinking, which you can't blame her. They're sitting at a well. But Jesus is trying to get at something more. He's trying to get at the spiritual. He's saying, look, I actually have a drink for you that if you took what I had, you would, you'd never be thirsty again. He's like, what are you talking about? And then he starts reading her mail, and he starts telling her about, well, yeah, you, I, you've been with five men, and you're with the sixth uh, right now. And, and she's like, whoa, hold on. What are you doing here? And so all of a sudden, she tries to pivot the conversation and start talking about religion because Jews and Samaritans don't like each other. So she's like, yeah, uh, this well was on uh, your guys' mountain, but what about the other mountain? And they're going back and forth. And, and, and Jesus just says, dear woman, uh, none of that's going to matter in a little while. In fact, the time is here now where uh, I've just come for everybody. And she says, well, who's the Messiah? And he said, I'm the one speaking to you. It's me. And all of a sudden, the guys uh, come back from their lunch meeting, and uh, they, she sees them walking up, and she just leaves her water jar and goes into town and starts telling people about the man who knew everything about her. And I find it so interesting because all the information that we're given about what the first Samaritan missionary had was Jesus knew everything about me. So that's where we are this morning. So the first thing I want you to do in terms of grasping, sharing our story with Jesus is this. Uh, your first feeling is undeniable experience. That there is a moment in all of our lives, if you follow Jesus, where there was an experience. There was a moment where it was you and Jesus, and it just made sense. That no one had to talk you into it. No one had to, had to sort of argue with you about it. It wasn't this mental ascent. It was Jesus came to get you, and you went, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're it. I know for me, uh, when I was, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was young, uh, I sort of had this surrounding of all these Christian people. I knew a lot of Christians, good Christians, non-judgmental, super kind, loved others, was good to people, had told me about Jesus before, but I didn't believe. I, I just, I was around it. Oh, yeah, all these Christians are nice people, but never really did anything for me. And then one day I'm sitting in youth group and the guy starts talking about Jesus and offered him to me and, and something clicked. Something changed in my heart. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything that I could explain. I couldn't quantify it. I couldn't put it on a calculator, put it in a math problem. It just changed. It just clicked inside of me. It was an experience. And so uh, when I look at that and I look at what the woman uh, at the well went through, it was like she tried to get out of Jesus really knowing her. Like when he starts talking about the men in her life and, and these deficiencies and, and he's saying, look, I'm offering you something more. I'm offering you something more than the dysfunctions. I'm offering you something more than what you've been broken with your whole life. It's like, I'm here, I'm it. And she had an encounter, an experience. Jesus wouldn't let her get away from him. And so uh, you have this undeniable experience, this undeniable encounter with Jesus. Um, now, if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, I've never had that. I want it. Or maybe you're here and you're not sure if you want it, but I promise you this, God will not fail you, and you will have it. Look at me. God will not fail you, and you will have that moment. He will not let you go without being known by him. That's a really big deal. That's good news. So let's keep going. 
The second thing that happened, and this is your second fill-in, it's coming pretty quick, is there's an undeniable effect. There's an undeniable effect to what happens after you experience that life change with Jesus. See, the woman spent her entire life shying away from public. She didn't want to be around people. She avoided things. When she got too close to somebody, she started thinking about arguments to talk about. There's all these things going on. And see, look at verse 28 and 29. It says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Here's what happens. She has this encounter with Jesus and then she came there to fill up water and do her thing and and be alone. And yet she leaves her water jar and goes right into town and starts telling people about Jesus. The woman who was avoiding everybody, who didn't want anything to do with anything, she was shameful, she was, she was afraid of whatever was going on, interactions with others, she goes, oh, I gotta go tell everybody now, and just walks into town and is like, hey, this guy knows everything, you need to come see him. There is this undeniable effect that happens when you meet Jesus, that your priorities start to change. Your, what you think was important isn't important anymore. What used to be something you didn't care about is now of the highest importance. That's what God does through the power of his spirit when you begin to experience Jesus. And so I remember for me, when I was, especially when I was young, but it's still something I'm working through today, is that uh, there was sort of this attitude I had where uh, basically as long as somebody liked me, that was about as valuable as they were to me. So whatever it took for me to just make sure they liked me, to make sure that I wasn't feeling bad about myself, that was the thing I focused on most. But then all of a sudden Jesus comes into my life and that switch flips and I'm like, oh my gosh, like people have value. Like people need to know this thing about like I was searching all these places to have value and and putting other people down and doing what I had to do and now Jesus is here and I don't have to do that anymore and other people should know that. Other people should know that Jesus adds value to your life and and, and solidifies who you are as a human being, as a son and daughter of the king and, and they need to know that. And so you fast forward 20 years later, and uh, if you're looking for me on a Friday or Saturday night, I'm not home, I'm probably at a bar telling a stranger about Jesus, okay? I'm probably praying for somebody and telling them about how much God loves them. I would have never done that before. I would never wanted to look like a weirdo. But now I'm like, Jesus is awesome. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what people think of me. You need to know this. And that's what happened with this woman. It was like, I don't care what you think of my story. I don't care of how many men I've been with and and what you think's going on with me. You need to know Jesus. And so there's an undeniable effect. Um, I think what happens though sometimes is a lot of us get stuck right here at this point too. Where basically, uh, especially, I think it's a, a very hard thing in America as well, just for us as Americans. But basically here's what happens. We show up to the well, okay? Uh, we meet Jesus, we have our water jar, um, and then instead of leaving the water jar and going to tell people about Jesus, we would much rather just kind of hang out at the well. Like just, okay, I, I'm a terrible person, Jesus, just tell me how good I am. Okay, that's nice. All right, oh man, I'm just, I'm not good. Oh, but you think I'm good. Okay, let's just hang out here. You want a drink? I'll have a drink. Do you have some everlasting water? I've got some right here. Okay, let's do this. And this sort of thing this happens where we just want to stay at the well for a really long time. So here's what I want you to do. Doodle time with Doug number two. I want you to draw next to point number two, undeniable effect, a jar, okay? Just like a half circle with a little thing on it, all right? Just put a little jar, all right? And I want you to write inside it, or if you put it in your notes in your phone, what's the one thing that holds you back from leaving the well and going to tell others about how good Jesus is? Could be anything. Could be pride, uh, could be insecurities, could be being comfortable where you're at, could be fear. Uh, Just write something down inside that little jar, 
Because the thing is, we've all experienced Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've had that experience. You've talked with him. You've prayed with him. You know him. He knows you. And it's awesome to sit at the well and hang out with him. But there has to come a point where you leave that jar, you leave what you were doing, and say, okay, other people got to know. People got to know this. The world will be different the more people that know this. And so uh, maybe you have a jar you need to leave behind is the point. Maybe that, that undeniable effect now needs to be shared with the world at large. And here's the cool thing. It doesn't have to be the way that I do it. Okay, I go to the bar and tell strangers about Jesus. That might not be your thing, and that's okay. Uh, you may have a son or daughter uh, that you're not sure is a Christian yet, and they need to know more. Uh, maybe you have a coworker um, that, that you just you hang out with every day. You see him every day, and, and maybe they need to know. Maybe they need to be invited over for a dinner or something. Maybe you have um, a friend or someone you grew up with or, or whatever, something going on. It doesn't have to be uh, just like, I'm going to go stand on a street corner and just yell about Jesus. Uh, it happens in the context of your own life, with the people you know, with the tools that you have. God's not asking you to be somebody else. He's asking you to be you. Got it? Cool. So uh, here's what's really cool. Verse 30, oops, I'm getting excited. Trust me, we're ratcheting it up to something cool at the end. Get excited. So, uh, verse 39, uh, she's, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with, him, with them, and he stayed two days. Now, here's the cool part. Verse 39 says that the woman went back to the town and told everybody about Jesus, and it said many believed because of her words. So Jesus hadn't even gone into the town yet and people started believing just because of the words of the Samaritan woman's mouth. Do you get this? That, that it, wasn't even, it wasn't even that Jesus showed up and it's like, of course, yeah, of course we believe because he's standing right there. No, it was just the Samaritan woman saying, this guy knew everything about me. This is the Christ. You need to come see him. You need to be a part of this. And people believe just because of her words. And so the first thing that you need to understand about that is your words matter. There's this old saying that goes something like, preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. That's kind of ripped out of context. Guys, we need to use the words, okay? We actually need to say that, hey, like, I love you and, and I'm taking care of you, but it's because Jesus took care of me first. Um, there's, this, there's this thing that I teach my children all the time that no matter what, they say this every time. I say, sons, what do Gonzalves do? And the answer is take care of people. They say it every time, and then I ask them why, and they say, because God took care of us first, that's the whole thing. I say it to him pretty much every day. Um, and that's the point, guys. The point is we are good to others. We share the love of Christ with others. But then there's this point where you got to use your words and say, it's because of Jesus. Just being polite is awesome. Being a good person is awesome. But if you never get to the part where you say, hey, this is because of Jesus, and you can have it too, you're missing out on so much that God has to offer for you. We can move to the next point. We can leave our jars behind and we can head into the town and say, okay, Jesus is awesome, so let's go for it. And so uh, here's your third part. There is an undeniable enthusiasm that comes with your actual words. Undeniable enthusiasm. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm pretty enthusiastic about Jesus, all right? I think he's pretty awesome. I want a lot of people to know about him. So here's what we're gonna do. All right, it's gonna be fun. Everybody stand up. Now I'm at a place in my life right now uh, where I have no idea what God is going to do like tomorrow. 
Okay, my wife and I are in a very interesting spot where like we need God like today, like when we leave here, we need God tomorrow. Like there's like really no uh, other option. But here's the thing. God has always been good. God is good now and he'll be good tomorrow. And so what I'm telling you this morning is that God is good and he loves you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to say this after me. God is good good. and he loves me. me. One more time. God is good. And he loves me. Now, last time, I want you to say it with a big smile on your face. God is good. good. And he loves me. me. Amen. All right. So here's the deal, guys. Uh, Come on up, Bob. Here's this thing. Uh, There may be a moment uh, in your life where you've had an experience with God, and it was awesome, and you loved it. Or maybe you haven't had it yet. So as I was praying through what God wanted to do this morning and and how he wanted to sort of uh, let all this play out, I think what he really wants to do is give you, the church, the opportunity to have an experience with him. Now, I've done this before in church, um, but if you've not been here for when I do this, uh, don't freak out. I'm not going to make you do anything weird. All right, we're going to keep it very simple, uh, very basic. We're going to see, we're basically going to ask God to move in our lives this morning. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to list off like three or four things, all right? And if you can relate to that thing, what I want you to do is just take like two steps out to the aisle. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to, none of that. Just, I want you to make a step just to the aisle, all right? If you need prayer for whatever thing I'm about to list off. And if you do, I'm going to invite whoever's next to you to lay a hand on your shoulder. You can say your name. My name's Doug. My name's Judy, whatever. Um, Introduce yourself. Tell them what you need prayer for. Keep it simple. 20 seconds. If you need prayer for healing or whatever, uh, you don't have to go into a whole medical history. Just, just say what's going on. Um, and, uh, and then if you're praying for someone, keep it very simple. You don't have to do King James Version. You don't have to do it. Just very simple. Talk to God for your brother or sister in Christ. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray real quick, and then I'm going to name a couple things. And if that's you, don't hesitate. Don't freak out. We're the family of God. Step out into the aisle, and then someone will lay hands on you. Got it? All right, Jesus, you are awesome. We love you and we pray for your Holy Spirit to come uh, and continue to come as it has been, Lord. I pray that your, your spirit drop in this room this morning, that people need an experience. They need to know that you're here, that you're real, that this is not a fake thing, that Jesus is alive and well and he wants to change lives this morning. And so, Father, I pray for your anointing to be all over this room, God. So uh, if you are here this morning and you are in need of physical healing, you are sick, you are in pain, you have something going on, even if it's a sore shoulder, uh, if you have anything going on physically in your body, go ahead and step out to the aisle and someone will pray for you. If you are here this morning and you find yourself in a very weird, tight financial situation, like I do not know where the next bill is going to get paid, I have no idea what I'm doing, maybe you're doubling up and you need healing too, step out into the aisle and someone will lay hands on you and pray for you. And then finally, and this one, this one's a little more personal, but if you have a relationship that's been broken recently, or you're in a lot of pain because uh, there's a relationship that's really important to you that's not going the way it should, and you just need God to kind of intervene, if that's you, go ahead and step into the aisle. All right. So now uh, you see people standing in the aisles for different reasons. Uh, if you would, church, uh, find someone next to you, lay a hand on them and begin to pray. Begin to pray for God to move in their life. And if you're not praying for anybody, pray for the person next to you about how awesome God is and life is good. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. 
We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.